Welcome, everybody. This is PMP Weekly, <laughs> episode 204. Anyway, so on the PMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest Microsoft 365 and the related topics like the Power Platform. We've been starting to touch that quite often, which is completely understandable because, you know, Microsoft Cloud kind of connects between each other. It's Microsoft 365, Power Platform, and Azure, which are the big pieces, uh, so to say. GitHub. GitHub. Cloud. Don't forget GitHub. Well, yeah, but it's it's it technically GitHub. Yes, it's part of Microsoft. We own Microsoft, but it's still it's independent, uh, you know, it's uh, company. It's, it's in the, no, no, well, yeah, it's Microsoft Cloud. I, yeah, that's fair. I can give it that too. So that is fair. Um, now I can see my transcript on going there. I need to hide that because I will go crazy watching. What is it catching? <laughs> what am I saying? What, what am I saying? What am I saying? What, what, say what, 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 what? I didn't say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cool, cool. Now, uh, uh, my name is Ivan, and I'm a principal product manager at Microsoft Tracy Stuff Batch Wireless, and with me as a co-host is da -da 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 -da. Hey everybody. My name is Valdek Mastikas, and I am cloud developer advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. And as typically, we do have a visitor uh, in the house who might be familiar to some people who've been watching the show or been around in Microsoft 365 areas for for quite a few years. So uh, Irvin Van Hoonen uh, is joining us uh, for an interview. He recently joined back to a Rencore to be the CTO, Chief Technology Officer in Rencore. Um, and it's an interesting storyline. We'll talk about that one a bit. We'll talk about his community contributions and community involvement since 2014, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. So um, he's been around on building for, among other things, BMP PowerShell and, and a few other things. So uh, I think some people know him as the father of BMP PowerShell, right? I guess. I don't know. I can't, <laughs> I can't speak to others, but yes, I, I've heard that yes. uh, title being used yes, absolutely. out there. Let's actually jump on that interview, and then we'll come back on the articles right after that. Welcome, everyone, who <laughs> the PMP Weekly Show 204. Now, Irvin, uh, you were actually in the show in the PMP Weekly for and back in episode 110, um, and then uh, we thought that it's about time to get you back. That's like three years ago or something like that. I didn't actually. Yeah, I, I don't even remember how long it is, but wow. Well, <laughs> okay, three years. It's been a while. <laughs> wow. That is roughly at three years, 100 episodes. Yeah, roughly two and a half or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. that's a pretty long time. Now, Irvin, um, a lot of people might know you, who you are or not. Some of people don't. Uh, so can you do a quick intro who you are and what I do yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah, I'm Irvin van Hoene. Um, I, uh, I started with the whole PNP effort. Uh, that was already like a long time ago. That was 2014, I think. Yes. So, so next year will be a 10-year anniversary of PNP. Can you imagine? It's mind-blowing. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, long history in, in working in IT. And uh, very recently, like this is my, uh, my effectively my uh, third week now, um, back to my previous employer. I am a CTO at Rancor. Um, yeah. It's, I'm very happy to be back. And it's what they apparently call in the industry a boomerang. Um, <laughs> that was a new you, term. You have me. to go and check out. You had options. had internship with another company, and yes. now you're back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a way of putting it. Indeed, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then, uh, then in my uh, in my free time, I uh, have been keeping myself the last couple of years quite busy with something called PNP PowerShell, um, writing that. Um, so, yeah, 
that's I make music you. as a hobby. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I, I saw the the I saw the latest song from me last night was from uh, Tattoo. From exactly, Lorene. Yes, yes. I made an orchestral rendition of the uh, the, the. I do apologize. Cha 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 is going to take your revision this year, but you know so. And it might actually happen. I've seen the the, the, the the Finnish entry to Eurovision and it puzzled me. Let's put it like that. It puzzled me. Sounds but really familiar. <laughs> you, should, you should check it out. It's uh, If you haven't seen it, if you're in for a mental challenge, then, then it, it's, 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 it's Finland in a nutshell, I would say. Um, you mean the entry for the Eurovision? The yes. Finnish entry yeah, yeah. for Eurovision. Is special, yes, yes. Yeah, but uh, but, are, I, but, but it, it it has been growing on me. I have to admit, there is something quirky about it. That is, yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, yeah. I made the an orchestral version of the of the of the Swedish uh, rendition because Sweden tries to win again with a former winner, Lorreen. She comes back this year, and uh, yeah, ah, whatever. Check it out. It is a good chunk, by the way, as well. But yeah, anyway. So okay. <laughs> okay. You you're not music, listening music. Where, where's your mainstream? Come on, Valdex. Well, so. I'm l- well, so there there is Eurovision and there is listening to music. Like I, I'm not <laughs> no, really no, 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 no. I think yeah. Lorraine is Lorraine's tattoo is is on pretty much on all of the, st- the radio stations right now. So it's, it's, it's not. Exactly. I listen to radio like every day when I'm in a car. I'm like, no, it's not on the radio. Which radio? Classic FM, maybe. Classic FM, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Anyway, now now that we covered the Eurovision (laughs) (laughs) and music tastes, apparently, yes. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's do a quick recap on the PMP PowerShell. So you use the PMP is the patterns and practices, and we've been using that term for the community efforts and open source efforts. Nowadays, we're actually kind of a cut down using that because it's causing, causing so much questions. It's, what, what is this BMP? Um, those who know, they know, uh, and the BMP PowerShell is person and BMP JS is named with that term as well. But can you talk about, a bit about the BMP PowerShell? Uh, why was that created? And, and uh, you've yeah. created that like nine years ago, and then <laughs> yeah. you contributed that for free for community, and, and yeah. then it exploded. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you told the whole story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, you, you, yeah, it, it, no. I created it out of frustration. Um, at the time, I was a consultant, like you. I'm a recovering consultant, um, and um, still a consultant at the time. Every time I wanted to do a little thing towards um, um, Office 365 at the time, Microsoft 365 nowadays, um, I had to write a little program. A C sharp program, Open Visual Studio, build the code, compile it, and then the downside is that the next time I want to do something very similar but tiny bit different, I had to Open Visual Studio, make a change, and compile it again and run it. And then, and of course, I was already using PowerShell towards the at the time very relevant nowadays somewhat less relevant on-prem version of SharePoint, and um, so there you had the whole sort of set of commandlets, I don't know even know like 400 or something like that, I think there were, um, to do all kinds of things towards the server, but that didn't exist towards SharePoint Online. Yeah. And uh, so that's where my my effort of uh, PMP PowerShell came up. And it started very small, couple of commandlets. And I remember actually pinging you, Vesa, um, because you just announced it wasn't called uh, PMP at the time. It had a different it name. It was I, Office Apps Samples. Office uh, Apps AMS, Samples. AMS. 
Yes. Yeah, Office AMS, exactly. Um, and uh, this open source adding effort. Adding model samples, yes. yes. Office AMS. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I pinged you, like, hey, listen, I have this set of command lists. Would that be something? And you were like, yeah, give it. And I shared it. And yeah, that was a very small start. And it became very quickly very popular to the levels of today, where it is ridiculously popular. And um, sort of everyone is using it. Um, uh, and when we, I remember still seeing some um, telemetry numbers where we had like, I don't know, what's a 500,000 uh, numbers were coming in and we were like, oh, 500,000 requests. requests. Yeah, 500, yeah, exactly. Requests in exactly. Month. Yeah. Per yeah, yeah. what unit of time? Per month. Per month, month at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that now, now we're talking billions per month. Yeah. Which is, I, I guess it's 500,000 within a day, roughly. So the ratio easily, is, is, uh, it's actually millions per day currently. Yeah, yes, it is several uh, millions per day. Right. Yeah, yes. yeah, so it's 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 get to be billions. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 an insane amount, and and yeah. it's a bit humbling to see to see it. And and okay, as I said, we started with I don't even know, I remember how many commanders there were in the beginning, like 40 maybe something like that. Yeah, and and now we're, we're over over 600. So when you think about it, so so there was a SharePoint Online PowerShell uh, already at the time, but SharePoint yeah. Online PowerShell isn't targeted for site-level operation uh, or in a list-level operation or an item-level operation. And that was the thing what was basically missing. So yes. how can you easily, in a repeatable way, do operations uh, in a site or in an item level uh, using then the existing APIs? And, yeah, and that's where, that was yeah. really the PMP PowerShell. PMP PowerShell is sort of artifact focused, if you want to call it like that. It's yeah. like doing things with sites, with lists, with list items, with, with Teams instances, those kind of things. So very focused on the artifacts that make up your Microsoft 365 environment, whereas yeah. the the, uh, the Microsoft provided commandlets work on the tenant. Yes, you can create site collections with it, et cetera, but, but that's where it stops effectively. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. But it's actually kind of interesting to think about it that that it came out of frustration and yeah. so and then All it grows to be do, right. Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> absolutely. Honest, I was coming. You always start, yeah, yes. start with you have an edge to to uh, yes. scratch, and these are I think the best things that people build, right? Because like it's yes. solving a yes. genuine problem you have, Correct. and if you have it. Correct. What are the odds that somebody else will do, right? And it's yeah. not just like yeah. Yeah. trying to you know create your own market and, f and build up this weird need no like you experience the need already time and again yeah. having to build c sharp code it's like there has to be an efficient way and there was right so yep. Yep. Well, it's just the same for you, Goldeck. I mean, with the CLI. Exactly. I was coming back on the CLI. You, the CLI you were, started. You were a Mac a person. There was no way to script towards Microsoft 65 from a Mac. And well, yeah. Yeah. And back, there, back then, PowerShell on Mac wasn't a thing either because, like, I no. think we launched CLI a year or two before it, before PowerShell became available outside Windows, right? So there's yep. also that aspect. Yep. Like, there was really no other way. And would, would we have done the same thing today? I don't know. Like, interesting thing. But I think it's, it's interesting to think, and there's also some, something I want uh, to ask you. Like, yes, on one hand, it's a tool used by many people across the world every day. But it's, I bet it's also more than that. So what else is it next to just being a tool? And then, then I can share like my perspective on the work that we do in CLI. What else is it more than a tool? I'm trying yeah. to figure He's out where you. Something, yeah, the perspective, but it's it's hard to catch up on. 
<laughs> well, so so if I look at CLR, right, like it's it's a tool that, that you can use to automate things in 365. But it's also for many folks, it's their first exposure to open source. Well, it's how fair pe enough. people learn about tests. It's yep. how people yeah. learn about the APIs. It's how people learn about developing things in Node, right? So it's many different things to many different folks beyond just being a, like one uh, time and again, I hear folks like, hey, I don't get to do X at work. And I, and I, and I get to do that here in CLI. And people are like, bring up things like testing and clean code and working with others from other uh, companies. So mm -hmm. it's it brings so many different things. Like, yes, it's a tool and it's being yep. used yep. for a share, but there's also so many aspects to it, right? Mm, so absolutely. even even if uh, like our growth and the numbers are nowhere near the ones that, that you've got in PowerShell, and yet, I see like there is still a place for it as a project because of these all these other things that it, that it does. Now, one of the things that I personally noticed, and what I found really scary in the beginning, when when I just after I started talking to to Vesa about sharing this code, is like, oops, everyone can now see what I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> everyone can see my coding style. Is uh, that something I really want? And 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 that that's still for some people, and I totally get it, a bit of a threshold to step over. It's like, am I actually writing good code? And um, <laughs> we didn't score because yeah, yeah. what is good code? Everything is relative. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but so it's sort of a, a way of, of learning to to share what you write and and share how you code and and learn also from others because you can just I mean yeah. this whole source library is just for you to consume and to look at and how are people doing it. So it's a, it's besides the fact that it is a tool for people to help uh, to to use. It is also a, a way to learn how to write code and and learn. And going oh, even you. larger and meta within this discussion, uh, we would not be sitting in this uh, meeting without people sharing their code exactly. and wisdom and yeah. building stuff like CLI yeah. or PMP PowerShell because um, yeah. that's actually making those connections. So it's not mm. just about mm. learning even the technology, it's about the human side of the, the community, which is creating those connections between people. Yep. Um, and also the thing is with PMP PowerShell, it's like, it's, I'm not the one that wrote everything. Absolutely not. Yeah, the, the, the first couple of years, maybe I was the main developer on it. But nowadays, it's 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 like first of all, there's there's quite a team now uh, of of three people uh, behind the scenes that do a lot of work. We have Kuhn, we have Gautam, we have uh, Veronica um, that helped me a lot actually, and and helped the organization and the the the, the community and uh, the people. And so if you if you create a pull request, it's very likely one of them approving it. It's, you won't be, see me approving them. Um, so they help enormously making this popular. But it's it's they are sort of the the, the core team, the the maintainers of the repo. But then it's this all these other people out there. That actually have been submitting all these wonderful pieces of commandlet code to the thing. Yep. It's so it's 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 not me 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 me. No, it's it's us us and everyone out there that did this amazing work. Um, I wanted to yeah. point that out. I just got an instant thought, like because you you mentioned it, someone like you ask, "Am I uh, writing correct code or something?" And it's mm -hmm. like, hey, like there is a way, there is a way for do it. And I wonder if you ever tried or thought about it, like. You know, there is this person who used to work at Microsoft who created PowerShell. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about reaching out to him like, hey, like we're doing this thing and it's being used. Are we yeah. going the direction you envisioned it? 
Any opinions, mean, thoughts, feelings? Right. You mean Jeffrey Snover? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> the closest I've been to Jeffrey Snover is actually that I was in the same speaker room as him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> which I found out later. And then later that day, I passed him on the Microsoft campus. He was walking out of a building on the phone and I was walking in. <laughs> so that, that's the closest I've been. I think um, we were together. That was in the uh, commons or, or in the, the yeah. building where you have the uh, the company store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, building yeah. 90? Is that 92. Building 90? 92. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. whatever. Yeah, so no, that's the closest I've been to Jeffrey. Unf- oh, unfortunately, I mean, probably good for him, but he left Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Like, that you, doesn't you mean I would not be able to get so in touch with him. No, exactly. I I still see him regularly talk on PowerShell in community sites, so I still get yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah. if 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 you ask him a thing, he would have an opinion. Mm, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter, and he's he's he has opinions. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, no, I never thought of reaching out to him. Actually, to be honest, uh, no, maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's 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 what is it? Um, tens of billions of requests every single month going through that open source projects, and there's like 600 command let's 700. Do you yeah, remember clo- where we are? 600, 620, I think, right now. Across like the whole last Microsoft number. Stack. Yeah. 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 And usage yeah. is growing, so it's it's still growing. It's yeah. yeah. Yeah, crazy. It's and we just released a new version, just yeah. fresh from the press, a new re- a new version, um, which has a bit of an, I have to, sorry for that, a tiny bit of an ugly version number. Um, 2.2? 2. 2.1.1. 2. 2.1.1, uh, 1. 1. 1. yes, yes. We wanted to, yeah, we, and, and, and I have to, full disclosure, we made a mistake. Um, and it has to do with how we release nightly releases. And we started to release the nightly releases of this new version already as 2.0 nightly. And um, that meant that we couldn't publish a 2.0 because that wouldn't be older yep. than oh. the. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, so we had right. to release a 2.1. So that came out um, uh, last Friday as 2.1.0. And approximately half an hour later, we found out that we made a mistake. And um, in the way we sign things, or actually we, we sign uh, all the files, or not the required files, and one of the files is effectively a text file, it's a PSD1 file in PowerShell, and that one contains some information that the PowerShell gallery didn't accept, so we had to remove that, and we removed that, and we published, but we did not signature think about changed. that, that the signature, exactly, mm-hmm. that is embedded in that file was not matching the content of the file anymore, so we had to release it 2.1.1. Oh, happens. It's fine. Happen. It happens. Happen. It happens. Yeah, it's out now, um, fortunately. Um, it's, uh, of course, still multi-platform, so Mac, Linux, Windows. However, that's a big change, and that's why it's a 2 and not a 1.x anymore. Um, it does not support PowerShell 5 anymore. Fine. Now, um, for those who are not super familiar with that, can you explain what is PowerPoint 5, PowerPoint Power, 5, and PowerPoint PowerShell. No, PowerShell. 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 It's also known as Power, Windows PowerShell. Power, PowerShell. Power and yeah. Power. Something with power. Power. Shell. I got the power. <laughs> so, Windows PowerShell or PowerShell 5, most people know that PowerShell version from the fact that it has a blue background. If you launch it, you get a blue background. Is the one that comes with Windows. And that is very uh, still built on the old .NET versions, or .NET 4.x. Yeah. Um, 
And we so we, we always have been building two basically two builds since we started to move to the uh, multi-platform version. We built two versions um, out of the same source code. Um, so we built the version for PS5 or Windows PowerShell based on the old .NET and one on .NET Core, uh, which was um, uh, working on PowerShell uh, six and seven. Um, now we dropped the PowerShell 5 because that one was getting more and more in the way for us uh, because, yeah, it's older .NET code. Um, and the new PowerShell version is now built on .NET 6. And um, that meant that we would, if we would combine the two, then in the longer run, you would see commandless not appearing on Windows PowerShell 5 because we couldn't do that because that didn't exist in the, that version of .NET and etc. So we decided to drop the Windows PowerShell or PowerShell 5 support. So you now, will have to install, because yeah. that is not coming with Windows, in order to run yeah. those PowerShell commands, you will have to download Wind, uh, the new PowerShell, which is PowerShell 7, um, from uh, GitHub. And if you go to yeah. Microsoft uh, or learn.microsoft.com, you will find, and you search for PowerShell, you'll find installation guides on how to get that. Um, and it's heavily it, being promoted. By yeah. Microsoft, that's the version to use as well. So it's, it's absolutely nice. the version to use. It's it's day and night different uh, in yeah. in performance, in memory footprint, in in everything. And if you then if you are on Windows, you combine it with Windows Terminal. It's a magical environment uh, because the Windows Terminal uh, is a really really good terminal uh, tool. I think I love it. Um, so if you combine that, those two, beautiful, beautiful. However, I'm on the Mac nowadays. Which terminal do you use? I use iTerm. iTerm okay. too. Okay. Yeah. 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 And PowerShell is my main shell. I don't use yeah, Bash yeah. or whatever shell, C shell or whatever shell is the default one. No. Uh, PowerShell, PowerShell is my shell. default shell on uh, on on the Mac. Uh, with okay. P PowerShell on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it compiles, we compile it, so I build it on, on yeah. the Mac. And uh, yeah. And if you closely listen to shells, you can hear to see. Exactly. Very close to the screen, you can hear this, the, the waves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you work on power of on PNP PowerShell for you mentioned nine years, almost ten. Uh, yeah. You reminisce a little, like you know where it began with you having an itch to scratch your own thing, building out a team. Where do you see it go in the next give or take three years? Like, let's not make it like too far out because it's gonna be like, yeah, it's you know this autonomous self-conscious thing that can bring like no no no, no. Mm. let's bring it a little bit <laughs> back like three three years where do you see pnp powershell being in three years well we've been we've been thinking um about uh, effectively a complete rewrite um of the so many of the commandlets in pnp powershell today are like they do one single commandlet can do a lot of things depending on the switches you provide and while that is maybe very powerful it also makes it uh, a lot of code to maintain for that single commandlet and a lot of edge cases and tests and whatever so we we have been playing with the thought of like why don't we like break those apart and make specific commandlets for a specific task so that commanded that that thing and only that thing. Very specific, mm -hmm. very yeah, simplified. The downside of that approach is that we probably will increase our commandlet set with close to 300 more commandlets. And it is a lot of work. It's going to be a lot of work. There's um, another so, one thing to it too, a caveat, which is you, and, and that, so that is kind of this, 
uh, ever gone going the, like pendulum swing where you err on the side of uh, projecting API onto the shell. And you basically have like each API call is a command that, and people can have more control of the way they tie them up with the benefit of performance because well, the thing will only do exactly the things you want to do and nothing more. Mm-hmm. With the caveat, now you need to know about all intricacies that now you solve with scenario-based commandlets. So do you yeah. go with the API or do you go with scenarios? And it's kind of like no, yeah, fair bundling, enough. bundling. That's right? a very I, good point you bring I, up. And I think it's very good to understand that we absolutely do not want to step away from the scenario-based commandlets. That's commandlets. what I was referring to, yeah. Absolutely well. not. So we do, there we are do not just want... existing commandlets, which are basically doing multiple scenarios depending on switches. So yes. just to be clear. Yes. But some, some of those commandlets are even like army knives in itself. And, and, and that, for instance, the, the, the biggest one and the most complex one is the one that everyone uses before they start to do anything and just connect PNP online. Right. Yeah. That one is ridiculous. <laughs> what is happening behind the scenes? Because there's so many switches, because there's so many ways of authenticating. That is, I think, also one of the, the strengths of PNP PowerShell, that there are so many, like device login, interactive login, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but um, that one makes it, makes it very complex to maintain. And um, there are more of those commandlets out there that that could actually benefit from breaking up into several commandlets, not API connected, uh, no scenario scenario connected, but a single commandlet can can handle maybe three different scenarios, and that that could also be three different commandlets, and and that's. That's something we've been playing with, but um, the idea, and we even made a very early brief announcement that we would do it, but then we, the more and more we started to work with that, the more we realized that it was so much work and it will probably yeah. be a never-ending thing. So for now, mm-hmm. we'll leave it at that. What, what else is happening? Well, we will see probably more and more and more and more coverage also for non-share. I mean, of course, the main main um, player in the PNP PowerShell world is, is, is SharePoint Online. Well, you'll, you'll see more and more scenarios uh, coming where it's not focusing only SharePoint Online, but also all the other um, uh, um, products, environments, um, areas. Workload, that's the word. Thank you. In Microsoft 365, like Viva and and et cetera, et cetera, if APIs are available. Because that's that's the dependency we have. We have a strong, of course, we cannot invent something. It's not like, oh, we have backdoor access to things. No, we don't. We use the same APIs that every other developer can use. And so we are very much limited is a way of saying it. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, so that's, that's like, now that I think about it, I wonder if that would be worth reason because like, like we have exactly the same limit in CLI and especially yep. the limiting part is when things like don't have an API. So is there a way for us to build kind of, I don't know, bridge or automation with things like Playwright or RPA, you know, where you yeah. use the UI for things that don't have an API, you use kind of an interrupt. Screen scraping. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Technically, that would be possible. Um, in reality, uh, let's. I'm. I'm saying let's not go there. Uh, we've been playing with the thought, and I know the R commandlets. I will not name them. That do things in a very debatable way. <laughs> um, be- because we figured out how where certain information is stored. For instance, I will not go into much detail, but there is a commandlet that calls, for instance, into a document library where there's a folder 
that people don't really don't see if they browse around. There is a file in there with an extension that does not reflect the contents. It actually says HTML, but there is no HTML in there, um, uh, etc., etc., etc. No, exactly. It's it's it's. It, it well you, you could you could question how the original product implementation came to life. Um, it's an MVP. How that worked in SharePoint Online, you can question that. But regardless of that, so there is no official API to actually do that. We had to figure that out. Um, but I I prefer to stick to uh, like a, either the graph um, APIs or uh, CSAM or REST. Yeah. Now, now. Two questions. Uh, I know that we need to close up pretty soon as well. From a timing perspective, there would be so many things to talk about. But but first of all, from a Microsoft perspective, and of course from a community and customer perspective, how do you see, why do we have all of this open source? I'm going to ask the question which somebody might be wondering who's listening or watching. Why do we have this kind of an open source projects in the first place? Because if you look at this from an enterprise customer perspective or a mid-sized or, or whatever customer perspective, they might be looking into, well, I don't want to use open source. I don't want to, why, why are you, why are you causing a chaos? Why, why are, why aren't we using just the, the commandlets which are coming out of the product? Why wouldn't one, why wouldn't you want to use open source? What is the problem with that? Well, it's the trust and legal uh, implication, potential uh, liability uh, implications. Well, if but I so you do not want to use open source. You don't want to use something that isn't backed, backed by SLA because one does Correct. not mean the other. Like VS Code yeah. is open Correct. source thing, but it's still a very much you know a, a product. Yeah, sure, yeah. true. Just to be really clear, and, like what, yeah, what is really exactly. open source? Exactly. Actually, now, .NET itself is open source. Exactly. That's true as well. That yeah. is I don't want to use open source. Right. Like, I don't want to do that. Okay. No, it's then, yes. Why, 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 do we then, why do we then need to have this this other open source project? Isn't this just causing additional things which people need to learn? Uh, what's the value out of them? And, and yeah. again, I'm just... Trust me on this. I know. <laughs> you know. I, to, I know. You know. Um, putting myself yeah, well, under <laughs> Nothing negative uh, against Microsoft, but it's, for instance, speed. Uh, because we're not depending on corporate procedures, etc., we can usually act faster. Um, like someone in the world out there probably maybe already wrote a solution for a problem, and uh, the moment it becomes a real problem, that person can easily submit that code into our repository, and we can merge that. So that's one of the things. Um, effectively, we're, we can, we can be faster and and leaner and meaner um, when it comes to uh, functionality. Um, we're also, because we are community-based, not necessarily bound by, by guidelines um, um, that come from a player like Microsoft, for instance. So um, yeah, we can be a bit more flexible in how we do things. Um, so in, in general, it's just availability. And um, um, you know, for instance, take now, for instance, the, Let's take this one as an example. The, compa the comparison of um, the, the Microsoft provided uh, Shepard Online commandlets, the yeah, Shepard Online management shell, which from an authentication perspective, so connecting is way, 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 way more limited than what PMP PowerShell sure. offers. Um, sure. So that, or that's what CLI even uh, offers. That's true. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So flexibility, uh, performance, not in performance so in executing, but in performance of implementing agility. changes. Yeah. more resources, but then is quality worse because it's not coming from Microsoft? I'd like to believe not. 
I like to believe the quality is not worse. Of course, it's not that because you create a PR, it will be merged. No, uh, there are very critical people looking at those PRs, uh, very, very good developers that uh, decide uh, if they like your code or not. I have a discussion with it and those discussions happen and they can be intense at times. Um, but uh, um, no, the quality is not necessarily worse. No, no. And that really comes back on again on on there's so many smart developers who are working also outside of Microsoft and, and making things they're building their exactly. own things they might be in exactly. startup or in other companies and they they need to get stuff done uh, one of the one of the classic examples being something like remote provisioning is just a brilliant example with its usage and everything else we still don't have a similar templating engine unfortunately in the product and so therefore the community at trust the, the gap to make things happen and to go forward with the with the implementation, it's it's an interesting dynamics though. So it's very interesting, it. and it's also interesting to see how how community efforts over time become the de facto standard in doing sure. things. Sure. Um, if you say provisioning nowadays, you basically say PNP. I'm not saying PNP PowerShell because PNP PowerShell is merely a consumer of that provisioning engine, um, which is built in another the PNP framework. Um, but it sort of becomes a de facto standard. And it's the same as sort of with PMP PowerShell is also over time become the de facto standard to script towards um, Microsoft 365. And, and that shows, I mean, there's like, there's like companies using it commercially and they can just use it. They can copy and of it, course, modify it's, it, it's make it their own. because of the community initiative for that to be such a successful thing and taking over the, the, the world by a storm. It's It's just... The demand, and and of course, whenever there's an out-of-the-box feature, yes, we can flip on using that. Whenever you can achieve the similar things using the out-of-the-box functionalities and all of yeah, that, but yeah. uh, it's an interesting. Though, it's a really interesting dynamics. So another thing that I wanted to touch with you and you, the question about quality and if it's a good. We have the benefit of the numbers. It's so many people using it. If something goes wrong, we'll hear that. Yeah, we will absolutely yeah. be told and 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 actually being pushed to fix it as soon as possible. Now. We've done this exercise a few times in the past as well, but what would be the three to five, uh, let's say, uh, tips for somebody so who's open source? <laughs> <laughs> three and a half. Uh, 3.75. And so the tips for starting to build an open source project. Uh, of course, putting stuff in a GitHub. Sure, cool. Okay. But do you actually listen and watch uh, comments, issues, all of that stuff? That's another step number one. Um, but what, what, what kind of what makes projects successful? What are mm. the things which makes the BMP PowerShell or CLI so successful as they are? I think you should realize that first, before you start to say you want to start your own open source project, solve a problem. Whatever that problem is, solve a problem. That's one. The other one, it will take time. Yeah. Don't think that putting it out there will just that's enough. It, it is not. It will require a lot of time and effort from, from your end as a maintainer of that repository and maybe also the original developer of that source of that code to maintain that and make it successful and, and listen to the people. They are the one using it. You, you, of course, you're probably also the one using it, but it, you write it effectively for the others. And uh, if, if they, if you want others to succeed, well, if you want others to succeed, yeah. Exactly. And if you want your project exactly. to become big and and very useful, you, you're not writing it for yourself. You're writing it for others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Any additional thoughts, Waldex? Um, bunch. Um, um, you. So that that's an, an interesting thing, right? Because when you build something for yourself, the moment you open it up, uh, if you open it up for others to submit 
issues and PRs, uh, you become maintainer of it, right? And you yes. kind of are getting being driven by demands of the others. And it's, it's kind of weird uh balance like how the success of the project depends on you being there willing to help people troubleshoot their things add additional features patches and so forth and so on that comes at a time of or at the cost of your uh health balance work balance because like you need to have like at the end of the day it's just time and you can spend spend all of it once uh so it's like yes like we all aspire having that you know unicorn project with millions of folks using but how do you scale for it? How will you be able, you know, to sure. be able to close the lid at reasonable time in the evening, have personal life, and not being lived by the things you created, which are really cool and used, but then distressed on you? And you, know, you probably have seen all, you know, the meme with the kind of like this weird thing assembled on top of the thing, and like this whole thing standing on this little little thing, like maintained by a random dude somewhere sure. in Ohio. <laughs> And that, that yeah. that's that's exactly that. Like like you have you're building something for millions of people to use, which they can. But at the end of the day, it's you. Like, what is your idea for scaling continuity? Mm-hmm. How yeah. do you see that? Because like yeah. in a way, it's like yes, it's a chicken and egg in a sense that it's not the first thing for you to worry about. But the moment you start getting traction, it's too late. So yeah. you kind of have to have mm-hmm. like idea. Like, how will you go beyond you? Like, what if that thing becomes a thing? Like, so how, like, what would be your, how do you envision onboarding others and growing with others and getting them through that, you know, user, contributor, maintainer journey? And how do you bring them in? What do you give back for the others who are contributing so that they feel that they're being awarded or appreciated for their contributions? And that takes time away from you writing the code. So you will not write the code anymore because then you're dependent on and it gets complicated but it, 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 it who is, will write the code yes, AI, but who will then write the code well, <laughs> <laughs> and then will you just appreciate and send messages about the chat gpt because it's writing the other code never welcome you became a ceo <laughs> <laughs> That challenge we had with Team Devourshell, actually, it became so big and I couldn't do it alone anymore because I also had a day job and a life, you know, that's a weird concept at times. But yeah, and and um, I, what we did is we looked at the contributors we were who were very active and uh, lucky enough, uh, some of these contributors were uh, were so passionate that they wanted to step up and help out. And um, I think that's a, a great team and they're very, they, they know the product inside out. Uh, they know but exactly. even when that, you do that, that so that that's momentarily that's even more work because then that, that i think that's the key challenge and, and coming back on what waldek was saying that when, when it starts exploding mm-hmm. to be able to start scaling on maintainers mm-hmm. actually you should not be on a burnout situation because actually to be able to scale you need to move work more because you need yep. to help the maintainers to actually get access and then after a while you can a bit fade on the background and be like, oh, oh, it's working, it's working. Yeah. Or if it's working. Well, yeah, and, and that comes there with that with that story comes the fact that I think most people that start an open source project are opinionated on what is the right thing to do. And yeah. um, they have a lot of things in their head. This is the way you do it. I mean, that was the same for me. This is how you write a commandlet. This is what should be done. This is not you do. It. I mean, there's like there's some guidelines out there in the uh, in the world on how to write commandlets, but there's also a lot of stuff internally that I like to be done like this and that, whatever. And you had to transfer that thinking 
um, to to your team members um, yeah. because you're yeah you're traditionally very opinionated about your little brainchild, and um, so there it's quite a process in in moving um, and also sort of disconnecting you a tiny bit more from that product because others are also you need full trust. Although if yes. you don't give them the trust, nothing will happen. I mean. Yeah. You can't micromanage that. That makes no sense. You want the skill. That that means you don't micromanage. Yeah. Which is all about an, communication, and, communication, communication again. Yeah, so. It's also oh. an interesting part. Well, right? It's it's even more than that, right? Because like the moment you create, like you want to. A while back, somebody uh, told me this analogy that you know there are folks who dominate, and and it's just you say like there are folks who have an opinion on things, and that is exactly why you led an initiative, right? Uh, but that also can lead to times you or somebody else taking all the air out of the room. Sure. And when you have other folks in the room, well, they need to breathe too. Like they need to also have the empowerment because that, that is like you want them to help, but you also need to put them in place to be able to help. Like you sure. cannot just step in every single time, swoop in, like let me take like, no, 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 no. And probably they will fail, right? Because like, again, coming back, you have opinions in your head about how things will be done. And some of these things, I mean, my experience, are easy to codify. Coding stands, standards, where we put mm. brackets on this or that length. There mm. are tools that can help us enforce that across the, the code base. But there are regular times, especially as m- the more you grow, like the gray areas. How do we respond to an issue? How do we do? And that is really the hard thing because it's kind yeah. of the cultural thing. Like, how do you... How do we react to folks? Like, how do we go outside? Like, what is our, what is experience for folks to get to us? Like, what do they see? How do we, are we welcoming? Are we friendly? Are we geeky? How do you, you codify yep. that? Yep. Like, it's yep. almost like a culture building thing. Yep. And it you're, is. You're like, you started as a coder, you wrote a piece of code, and now you need to think about culture. Like, that's quite a leap. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. Sure. Yep. Sure. It's a completely different skill set and completely different set of things which you need to focus on for sure again okay. welcome you became a ceo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting now from a timing perspective i guess we need to start closing up as well uh what's happening Irvin, this week anything interesting on your side uh, yeah well i'm still uh, onboarding myself in my new job so for me it's a lot of learning um it's a it's a fascinating company i i'm i'm really enthusiastic uh, of being back there um, very fascinating product and as i said i'm still onboarding myself and actually talking to a lot of my team new team members and getting to know them so i'm at that level communication currently. communication yes do, do, do you know already what what will be the first thing you will fix i know but i will not mention that okay <laughs> but just us among friends like we will not not tell anybody yes. not tell anybody no <laughs> Uh, uh, Waldek, what about you? Anything interesting? Uh, taking, uh, taking, well, on one hand, trying to take a moment to breathe because we finished Hackathon, we announced the winners, <laughs> we were yep. ripping things up, so we did a retrospective within our teams that we need to do another one with everybody else who was involved. We shipped a new version of Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy of CLI, so that is already done. But now it's a new week, new month, so it's like Easter, our- Easter break. So right on so, Friday, yeah. So this will be yep. a short week, four days only. But there's still more than enough work to be done. We and Monday, have, right? Sorry, and Monday as well. That depends on the country. I don't think in the Netherlands. Really? I don't know. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So is we've it? got the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Monday you got a day off too. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. 
But still, it's just like it's a short week, but it's not short week of work. So there is still yeah, a pile of work, preparing everything, preparing yes. for a build, trying to sort things out there, uh, and then the regular work. Like we have a bunch of new ideas for proxy, for CLI. That work doesn't stop, and it's a really cool thing. On one hand, like we're never run short of ideas, but on the other hand, you're never really done. Yep, so that's, that's also that's a mindset change that that you have to have. Like you're yep. never done in a product, and that's a great learning point for anybody who's uh, the only experience have uh, is with working on projects and then coming to work on a, a product. A project has a beginning and an end, and you're done, and you're finished. You ship it, and you're done. You you sure. you walk away. You never have that in product. Never. Mm-hmm. It's never yep. finished. Sure. Well, every single product has a life cycle. Now, that price cycle can be three months to 30 months, uh, 30 years. So it's, it's kind of SharePoint, interesting. SharePoint, tw- 20 years. What do you mean? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, no, no, I said 30 years. So, so. <laughs> oh, it is an announcement? Did you just make? <laughs> no, but it's... it's, it's <laughs> the, the, the life cycle of a project and life cycle of a product is completely two different completely different thing and 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 yes certain similarity is not at all in most of the cases for sure so uh, we're looking into releasing the SharePoint framework from 17 on tomorrow uh, 4th of uh, April uh, so that's going to happen so that's a good example is the 17th but I think 18th or 19th version of SharePoint Framework since the, the beginning of SharePoint Framework. So since 2017 GA. Um, but it's it's interesting to keep on quarterly, almost quarterly releases, adding things, adding functionalities, have a massive backlog of things, trying to decide which to bid on. And then the, the community, customer, partner, internal interest and politics um, impacting on what's actually happening. So, but it's, it's product. Product is never finished. So, but uh, as said, luckily spring is coming. Uh, we were having a clear tarmac pretty soon, which is awesome. Uh, more stuff to do with the bike and skates, uh, which is don't break yourself. What I'm waiting for. <laughs> just, Whatever you do, don't break yourself. I just really, I've been waiting here for six months. So I just want to go. You can, you can wait for a few months I more. <laughs> Yeah. They have versions without wheels, you know, you use them on ice. It's like, no, but it's not the same thing. So okay. it's it's missing that danger moment. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well yeah, now you can, the, you can ice skate on the legs. So there's that's this really true. cool thing. That's I don't true. know if that was done but in there's no downhill. There there are <laughs> folks who they ice skate on a really thin ice on a lake where the ice sinks. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they have these yeah. really like, like uh, I don't know what they like speed ice skating, like yeah. really long, and yeah. they just go, and you're like, yeah. you know, basically like you're a shark. The moment you stop, you will die. Um, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> but there's a good point, Vesa. It's not downhill on the lake. No. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe there is, there is a waterfall somewhere. Exactly right? a waterfall, <laughs> a frozen waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I guess that's it for this one. Uh, thank you, uh, Irvin, joining us. Uh, it's been a while uh, since 2110 episodes, so um, almost 100 episodes between. So time flies. Oh, cool. Yeah, You're having fun. Mm. <laughs> but also, thank you for being part of the the community efforts since 2014, which is mind blowing. Actually, yes. we're gonna have 10 year anniversary coming soon. Actually, right about this time, uh, I started the project which pre-existed 
the the I did a massive you know multi month long project a project not a product project for a one customer which pre existed the adding motor transformation guidance um, and from there a lot of the BMP stuff actually happened so mm-hmm. in some sense it's like a ten year anniversary coming soon but you know the public yeah. one is is August twenty twenty four so or roughly like that so we'll see with another actually. Actually, it's SBC 2014 uh, with Office AMS, um, and, and that was in March 2020, uh, 2014, something like mm-hmm. that. That was the public moment. So anyway, another year, another year. Another year. So ah. we just need to go one more year, and then we can say <laughs> yep. ten years. So what are we going to do next? One yeah. year. No, 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 I, I think the, of course whatever it was at the time has transformed to be much bigger. But it's the same similar mindset is the same: the sharing is caring mentality, uh, helping people and and addressing gaps. Um, so I think that's that same my mindset is still there with all of the people, all of the contributors in CLI, all of the contributors in PMP PowerShell. It's all about helping other people to. Make their work happen, which is yep. brilliant, yep. actually. So, thank you for that, by the way. But I guess that's it for now. Thank you, Irving. Thanks for joining. Thank you. We'll jump on the weekly articles right from here. Now, thank you, Irving, uh, for joining us on the BNP Weekly one more time. Uh, great, great to catch up. Well, we do catch up on quite a few times throughout the week as well, uh, because throughout our community engagement and planning and and a few other things. So um, it's but still good to talk about business as well, so which is really really good. Now uh, I think it's time to jump to the articles, right? Yes. Product. What do we have this week? A lot of news from Microsoft. It's been pretty busy too, you know, two weeks or three weeks even, uh, with the uh, what is it? Copilot announcement, the Loop announcement, uh, and now the Microsoft Teams uh, has a new version and new era uh, starting up. So. Let's start with that because that is, of course, a big thing. We are, by the way, recording even these shows using Microsoft Teams. Um, so if you don't know that we're using that, some people might be using some other software. I don't know why we ended up actually using this, but at least it's because it's the incredibly thing that easy. Just works. Like you can make <laughs> yes. it really complicated and setups. And it's like, let's just get it done. Yes, exactly. And we never, we never switched, which is like, yeah, huh? true, true. Fair point. Fair point. That's true as well. We've been doing this for quite a few. Anyway, uh, so, um, but Microsoft Teams has a uh, version two uh, preview uh, version out uh, and is significantly faster, significantly better. A lot of other improvements, uh, especially the whole baseline has been re-implemented. And I think the, even the launch time, you can actually see the reaction uh, is significantly better in the new Teams, uh, which is good. It almost feels bad, actually, that we're calling this out, but you know, it's improvement. It is. it is. And, and I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's it's better. Like, when you build, so when you build a product, you make trade-offs with regards to you know architectures, sure. features, and so forth and so on. And things evolve over time. And maybe what worked four years back or how many years back we built it initially, maybe yeah. over time as we kept adding features, we realized, hey, like at this scale and with the feature set that we have, it's no longer a viable thing and we need to rethink things. So it's perfectly fine, you know, to learn. And it's like, oftentimes you get the comments like that from folks who've never built anything at scale. And it's like, well, yes, in an ideal world, you you build everything properly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't, that's not the reality. I mean, actually you can, we might've, 
building it for five years and never release anything, or we release something we learned and we evolved from there. So yes, yes, that is called an MVP, uh, which in the internal terms, which is also a minimal viable product. In this case, it wasn't a minimal viable product. Yeah. Let me be clear. I mean, it was once. <laughs> And then we shipped it once. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, exactly, exactly. No, no, I don't. I, yeah. So anyway, but um, and and it's it's not actually that rare that some point of a life cycle of a product which says this level of a success, 280 million monthly active users, and and even more than that. But we haven't updated that number, public number since uh, last uh, December. Um, so it, it and it's growing rapidly. So at some point. You just really need to rethink the architecture and take advantage of what has come up within the past yeah. four years or five years and so on. So completely understandable. Now, related on the teams, new teams, and there was this primary article from Jeff Tipper from the Microsoft 365 blog. And then there was another from the Microsoft teams from Anup Bhatt Naik, uh, also calling out the individual things and improvements and all of that um, and what's what's better and, and the features. Quite a few articles actually related on that one, but what we wanted to mention them all because it's actually good to catch up on a the different perspective. One of them being the fact that uh, you can actually enable the new Microsoft Teams to subset of your people, subset of your organization. And there's how do you do that? So a good article on actually that. Um, makes sense if you have a large company that you want to first pilot the new experience within small group of people and then more broadly uh, distribute that. Now, the change is not super significant from a UX perspective. You know, the, the features and functionalities are still the same. So it's not like we're shuffling the navigation to somewhere else um, or whatever, uh, whatever we've been doing in the past, maybe for some products. Somebody make a reference on something related on that. It was Cathy Du made a reference on us shuffling the gears menu in SharePoint. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. Um, it was on the right, then we moved it to the left. Now it's on the right. Again. <laughs> yeah. Should we move it to the left? <laughs> yes. <laughs> then there was a uh, announcement, um, not directly related on the Microsoft Teams V2. Um, I'm going to talk about this one. We'll take the next one. Um, but still, um, as okay. part of this, and new announcements, um, you know, we Finns, we don't talk that much. Uh, so it's related on the Microsoft what? Teams announcement. Whatever. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, is the new avatars. Uh, so these are now in public preview, so they're available more broadly. Yeah, we've been internally using them for quite a long time, actually, and probably people have been seeing teasers and, and pictures out of them for quite a long time. Now you can actually test them out and you can build your own avatar uh, behind of the scenes. So that's actually really cool as well. So there's a lot of, lot of different uh, capabilities and features and there's going to be interesting, um, let's say future announcements related on all of this stuff um, in future. Cool. Now, Microsoft 365 conference. What is this? What? what, yes, what? There, it's, a, <laughs> it's a flagship event in Vegas in the US where as you can see at the lineup, we've got Jeff Tipper, Kirk Konigsbauer, Ajesh Ra Ja, Charles Lamana, Caruana, Atimu, Dan Holm. Basically, the group of people who, if there's somebody who has something to say about a product in a authoritative way, that's this group. Sure. Right? So we have the leaders at Microsoft talking about the products that they uh, build and manage. So this is definitely like if you want to hear where we are, where we're going, this is the place to be. May 2 to May 4, 2023 in Las Vegas in the U.S. 
Yeah, and there's even pre-conference workshops and all of those available. So the, the, the main conference is from 2nd to 4th, but it actually starts on 13th or 31st. I can't remember. Is, is there a 31st day in the April? Is there? Is there? I know I need to actually double check. Where's my mouse? Where's no, there, my mouse? there is not. So April 13th. Yeah, Sunday is and the, then yeah. May 1. So. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Now, there was also a storyline from Mark Cashman related on the service that SharePoint built, a <laughs> cumulative evolution story. <laughs> so this has been a, a storyline uh, together with Susan Hanley and Rebecca Jackson. Um, so basically, uh, Mark and Susan have actually built something similar in the past where the SharePoint monkey <laughs> tells a story. And now it's it's basically the SharePoint monkey telling another story related on uh, the different features and capabilities. <laughs> which are built on top of the SharePoint, which, which isn't actually bad and wrong. It is actually true, um, but it's actually, for those who don't necessarily know this historical thing, they might be like, wait, wait, what, what? Well, what this is what? really impressive to see, like going all the way back to 1998 site server. <laughs> yes. It only shows at the scale of time, you know, how things evolved over time and yes. like i was i was around since 2000 and late 2006 so it was like i missed Same the here. first yeah. quarter or a third and then everything else yep. like yeah i've seen that i've seen that too i know this icon i know this thing too i know it's like yep. wow we came yep. a long way that's by the way sharepoint workbench that was the crew workspace workspace, workspace, workspace. yeah and it, which was called actually crew before it was rebranded at that and it was crew.exe which was actually running um so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was groovy anyway <laughs> let's go in here now on the vivo connection side there's a lot of uh step-by-step -step, uh improvements uh so um we actually have been showing the vivo connection uh in the tablet uh, device view for quite a long time now it's actually rolling out uh so you can actually see a a tablet optimized experience uh, within your uh, IPIT or iPad, uh, IPIT as we call them, right? <laughs> yes, on a tablet. <laughs> yes, on a tablet, uh, that's true. So that's now rolling out, uh, which, or it's, it is actually available. Uh, I think it's, yeah, uh, early April uh, 2023. It is early April 2023, it's rolling out. And this is the new Viva Home experience or is that's it the, the new, new connection? Yeah, okay. yes, this is basically, the optimized Viva Connection experience, the new one, Viva Home, Viva Connection, Viva Connection slash Viva Home, uh, with, but it's also now taking the uh, form factor into account when it's a tablet. So cool. adapting directly. Very cool. Then we then we had a news from Viva Goals. Uh, so basically, I'm not, just as well talk about this one. Um, and and this is basically, a <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So we use Viva, uh, Viva Goals internally, and this is basically just a reference point on, on how we should be approaching Viva Goals and, and uh, those OKRs. So as we are creating OKRs and objectives, um, how would it be recommended to actually build them up? Um, so um, acquiring Viva, uh, starting using Viva Goals is not just taking the product into a use. You, you actually, it's good to think, how do we actually use the product? And that's where the OKRs are important. So objectives yeah. and key results. So business uh, process optimization, so to say. You'll take this one, right? Yes, exactly. One of the things that we hear a lot at Microsoft or and we experience a lot is that oftentimes like, we see a common set of errors or issues that vendors 
come across when they want to submit their office add-ins to App Source. So to get it out of the way, to make it easier, to help basically uh, avoid people running into the same issues over and over again, we put together a list of top five App Source validation errors for office add-ins, right? So we've seen over the course of time what things failed the most often. We put together a list, comprehensive list, with uh, policies, additional info, so that if you build Office add-ins, check this list out and avoid these issues, shortening your time to store. Yep, absolutely, absolutely makes sense. Then we had a announcement related on SharePoint Framework 1.17 release candidate. And this is, as we're recording this on 3rd of April, uh, and this is almost like yesterday's news because we're gonna go GA on the 4th of April. So, <laughs> but, but still, and there was an article uh, on the developer blog um, that the release candidate is out and what's available there. Um, we're gonna provide additional documentation, all of that gradually uh, for the release as well. So a lot of, lot of cool stuff, um, additional things available for, for SharePoint Framework 1.17. Uh, yes, then we go in here. Exactly. I create a Teams tab and Outlook add-in with a Hello World project, right? So you might have heard last week we had an online event, and that event was all about how you can build Teams apps and how you can get more out of them by exposing them in Outlook and, and Office.com, right? And in this article, Rabia um, walks us through the steps like, how would you build it? How would you build that app that is available across multiple locations, right? So yep. it's in Teams, it's in Office. How does that work? So you will have with this a step-by-step -step walkthrough of building that app, which is pretty cool. Yep, absolutely. It's really, really cool stuff. Thank you, Rabi, on that one. And then this is the actual event. We made it, maybe should have shuffled the article order. Doesn't matter. Uh, so build once, deploy efficiently, connect across Microsoft 365. And, and, and as Walter was saying, it's all about taking those existing Microsoft Teams apps and exposing them to be available more broadly within the Microsoft 365. So reaching more audiences without any actual, let's say, additional investment. So any application technically works um, across the whole thing. And then within your application, in your code, you can, of course, detect, oh, I'm in Outlook. I'm going to provide more specific functionalities for Outlook. I mean, in this context, what is my context? What's happening here? Um, well, which yeah. ad adds additional value. And it's actually twofold, right? Because like one is the context. Like you, you might be looking at the host, but actually what's even cooler is that you can look at what things are available to me. So in other words, yep. maybe you've got uh, in your uh, app, you care about the ability to uh, send email. So as such, you don't have to care about, am I in Outlook and infer from that, that I know that Outlook has the ability to do X, Y, and Z. Like yep. in, instead you can ask, am I in a host capable of sending email? Yep. Who knows, maybe at some point we'll be able to send emails from Teams, right? So. As such, it kind of Is that a simplifies the kidding. detections of things. <laughs> yes. um, like, Who knows? Hand, maybe Who maybe knows? You, can, yeah, you, you can start chat in Outlook. I don't know, right? Yep. So yeah, exactly. Right. So it just uh, is kind of interesting way to look at your app and think about what is it that you want to do and less about where where you are in. Like, exactly. Like the host is important for the branding part. And maybe you want to align, like in Teams, you want to be purple, whereas in Outlook, you want to be uh, blue and so on and so on. But it's more about, uh, you know, like when it comes to uh, features in your apps, it's more interesting to look at the 
what features are available from your host, yep. right? So there's yep. also like other way to look at that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then as said within the uh, Rapias comments uh, or our blog article already, um, we are also adding a new feature, which is including you the capability of having Outlook add-ins in the, within the same solution at the Teams toolkit. So you can te technically use the Outlook JSON object model and do functionalities there um, gradually as well. So that's now in public preview as well. So improvements, improvements, Pretty cool. changes. Yep. Everything coming into one. Yes. Everything awesome, coming awesome, into awesome one. Change. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really, really cool stuff. Now, this one, uh, Microsoft Cloud Developer Proxy, a new version then. Yes, a new preview version, version 0.6, with the ability to monitor requests from specific OSS, something you asked us a lot. I like the proxy works so well that when you turn it on, Teams doesn't work, OneDrive doesn't work, because <laughs> it, proxy is it, throwing yeah, chaos back at everything. all those apps because yeah. they work on Microsoft Graph, right? So you ask like, yeah, this is cool. This is as cool as it is to see. I still want to be able to do my work and be available. So yes. could we please have the ability to just intercept specific things? Now you can, right? Another thing that we introduced at Microsoft a while back already is the idea of rate limiting. So we use the response headers to communicate how many resources are left before you exceed them and get into these four yep. to nine too many request errors, right? And currently that information is available on the uh, Microsoft Graph APIs endpoints that are backed by SharePoint, so like uh, sites, files, and so forth and so on. So you can test it already with that. You can test how your app is going to handle the additional info that we offer it so that you can stay under that limit and basically increase the throughput of your app. So this is also really, really cool and uh, convenient way to test your apps, right? Yep. And on top, yep. we also offer uh, improvements or we, we extended the guidance around uh, paging. And another one is for the client request ID that every request you issue to Microsoft Graph should have. That, that is a very important thing. So we added that too. TLDR, give it a try. Tell us what you think, and if you have ideas for improvements, we'd love to hear. Yep, absolutely. Um, you'll probably want to talk about the hack together as well, because there was now the winners being announced. Correct, really cool. correct. So beginning of March, March 1 through March 15, we ran a virtual online hackathon around the Microsoft Graph and .NET. It took us a while, and we had a huge amount of you know engagement projects Took us a while, but we went through all of them. And it was so cool to see. Like people did such a great creative things. We picked, we had to pick only three winners. So we like we did like went back and forth, like which one do we pick? Because there are so many cool things. We picked three winners, right? So we have a really cool app that uses natural language to help you plan your app. And that that is a Windows desktop app. Then we had another app, uh second place, which allows students to take picture of a roster that they have for a class and turn that into appointments in Outlook. Very, very convenient way to plan your week. And the third one was something really cool, a console app that uses, again, uh, ChatGPT to turn your uh, queries expressed in natural language into calls to Microsoft Graph API. Like, think about, like, how cool is that? Instead of saying... HTTPS graph.microsoft.com slash v10 slash uh, users mm, files. They're saying, hey, I want to see files from Steve. 
and you have the call and the request comes back with the data. So it's like very, very, very cool. So these are just the top three. Check them out. We also link to uh, all hacks that, that we got. So definitely check them out. Absolutely, really, really cool stuff, and and awesome to see all of the contributions for sure. And there's quite a few of them, which is which yeah. is great. Now there was also an update uh, from the education side of the house, so introducing Microsoft Viva Connections for education, and this is a really really cool uh, set of capabilities directly within the Microsoft Viva Connection. So additional set of uh, cards, additional set of extensibility, and additional set of options which are available. So absolutely brilliant stuff. So if you are in the education industry or in the end the world check it out um and if i remember correctly i i'm, I'm feeling bad and about saying that of course it's for partners but i think the baseline capabilities are free unless i'm completely mistaken which is really really cool now that might i cannot sign that completely so <laughs> <laughs> but there is no license for viewer connection in general so and edu is also free for educational uh, organizations so it might be it might be we need to double check things anyway Really, really cool. And then uh, on the Power App side, there was a really cool announcement. We've been waiting this for a while, right? Molly? Exactly. Modern controls coming to Canvas apps. With that means you can more easily make beautifully looking Canvas apps in Power Apps. So this is really, really cool. So spend less time on the UI and feeling, make things like make things look great out of the box. Really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, something which we still would love to have within these controls is, is a way of extracting and creating your own controls, extracting that and putting it in another tenant, you know, kind of a extract and deploy con individual controls, which is not yet possible. But who knows, that might be available at some point. Um, that we'll see. Now, on the Microsoft 365 Platform Community Block, we had the PMP PowerShell 2.11 uh, released. Actually, you heard within the Irvin's discussion why it was called version 2.11 <laughs> because human mistakes. Uh, so it's basically BMP PowerShell version 2, uh, which only works in the PowerShell 7x forward. So really, really cool stuff. Additional improvements, a lot of, lot of um, awesome, awesome stuff, and a lot of contributors within this really release easy. as well. So thank yeah. you, everybody, for that. Absolutely brilliant. Then we had a CLI 6.4 version released. Exactly. New version of CLI with a ton of improvements, new commands for managing Microsoft 365 and everything on it, including upgrading your SharePoint framework projects to the latest version of SPFX. Yay! Yeah, awesome. Now, we also had an article uh, from Bert Janssen around the DMP Core SDK version 1.9. Uh, the core is the modern uh, abstraction layer on top of CSM, REST, and CRAF, and combining like best of the all worlds, um, and there's a lot of lot of customers and partners using that. A lot of improvements there, a lot of contributors as well. So thank you for being part of the, the open source community in here. And then we had an article from Louisa Fries around how to add and remove owners from Power Automate Flow with CLI Microsoft 365. And so. that TLDR is just awesome. Using CLI for Microsoft 365, you can easily add and remove owners of Flow. Duh. Done. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. Uh, Peter Renstra had an article on create a stack trace in Power Automate flows. Uh, so stack trace in the Power Automate flows. Stack oh, now I get it. So basically understanding where it fails and, and what's happening and what is the call stack. So that's actually really, really cool uh, for sure. And, and how do you actually queue the things up? So awesome stuff there reference point. And then uh, there was a craft developer proxy article from Kun Sangani. 
Exactly. So he gives a great overview about how you can use Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy to mock a APIs, right? Because yeah. like, you can do many things with that. And one of the features that we offer is mocking. So you don't need to call live API. And with that, you, instead, you can return a mock object, which is useful for things like when you uh, deal with things like limited uh, credits, tokens, no access tokens for the whole team, or data that is sensitive on time, like, for example, insights on Microsoft Graph. So really, really cool overview to uh, how to use that that ability. Yep, absolutely. And uh, then Casper uh, Larson had an article on the choice of hiding content from Microsoft Search, uh, a good reference point on, on basically hiding individual content and individual areas um, within Microsoft Did Search. Did the layout? Already? Didn't we? Did it? Did it? Did it? Did I think it? so. Like it, it reminds yeah. me that we had the actually the, Yeah, that's actually we had this exactly the same discussion last time. You are sorry, sorry, Casper. No, you're gone. Now, Alain clearly had an article on Microsoft 365, A Tale of Online Security, Chapter 1. So basically, yeah. uh, reference points uh, and storylines on uh, individual... Actually, this options. is a story. Liam took yeah, yeah. writing. So this is really cool. Like, huh, like It's really cool way to like get it expressed. Do uh, like How could you look and learn about this uh, concept? So really, really yep. cool to see him actually write a story. And there's actually more than that. So we have a reference on chapter one, test chapter two and chapter three. Yeah, so uh, keeping us, keeping Liam is keeping us in suspense. Are uh, they gonna leak information from the terminal or not? <laughs> Stay tuned for the next Shao Ferreira uh, had a new article on what's new in Microsoft Viva, March 2023 edition, basically listing all of the different uh, updates what we've been having across the Microsoft Viva with all of the Viva modules uh, within March. So thank you, Shao, uh, on that one. Really, 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 really great list of things. Absolutely brilliant. Then we had a new video from Paolo Pialorsi, episode 243, using Pisep in Azure DevOps pipelines. Um, and Paolo has been talking about Piceps, um, and now he's expanding that a bit more uh, with the latest videos. Cool. Kiss Piceps, you know. Yes, flexing those. <laughs> yes. Uh, Shane had a article uh, on first a uh, look at Power Apps modern controls. And so basically based on that announcement, which we just went through, and there's a new set of controls which are available. And then well, how do they actually work and what's available? Uh, good walkthrough on individual controls and individual things, what they actually do. So awesome stuff there. Juliana DeLuca had a new video on how to use Microsoft Loop for mobile. That's actually really cool as well. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, so how to use that, how to capably design that four minute and 40, 47 seconds. So a really nice quick summary on, okay, this is how it works. Ah, now oh, I get it. That's pretty sweet. And then uh, from the Laura Rogers and Jolene Jobson, uh, power our list templates with approvals built in. So we're looking into now start rolling out individual uh, approvals. And actually, there's going to be more announcements on list templates and flow integrations uh, pretty soon as well. So, But this is really cool. So you can actually create a list template or use list templates where the approval process is inside of it already. So walking through on that. Cool. I guess that's it for this time. A lot of, lot of articles um, to talk through. Uh, a lot of cool announcements. And this is not the end of the spring, right? No. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it clear, clearly isn't, isn't in Finland, right? Like, you still have snow. Yeah. That, yeah, <laughs> true. That can take a while to melt. So it's fine. It's fine. I, I think we'll have plus 10 on the weekend. We'll see. So should help on. 
getting rid of that. Um, but I guess that's it for this one. We already went through the weekly article, weekly things with Irvin. Um, Irvin, thank you for joining us. Uh, and for next week, uh, do we do a quick teaser? Who do we have for next week? Yes, so we will be back on Thursday. We will be re recording early because of Easter, right? So yeah. I don't yes. know about you. I am away on Friday and Monday, which means Same we here. are recording early. So that is that. I think we want to talk more. No, we won't. Okay, let's not actually tell who it is or who <laughs> she is. And <it's>, uh, <laughs> Some say... Some say she well, is well known by the community. Anyway, so I, I guess that's that's good teaser. Uh, you'll see it on next week. So thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And please have to use hashtag BMP Weekly in Twitter. And that's the easiest way for us to find out awesome stuff that you're writing. And please give us feedback. What works, what doesn't work, always welcome. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>